You're listening to the Proteus Leader Show with Erica Anderson, where you'll get practical tools and insights for leading, managing, and staying ready for the future. Erica is the founding partner of Proteus, a firm that focuses uniquely on leader readiness. A nationally known executive coach and best-selling author, you may already know her as one of the most popular leadership bloggers on Forbes.com. Ready for something you can use today? Here's Erica. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Proteus Leader Show. My guest today is Tessa Tubbs, my colleague at Proteus and an experienced coach, facilitator, and consultant. She works with leaders to help them realize their potential, and she helps them guide their organizations through changes large and small. Tessa's combination of balanced assessment, deep insight, and real compassion creates a powerful basis for growth. Hi, Tessa. Welcome to the show. Hi, Erica. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to partner with you and your listeners today. Yes, me too. I'm, you know, I I know that you've had so much experience with change over the years. And as we focus, we at Proteus focus more on our change practice than ever because, you know, there's so much need. And also our change from the inside out book is just launch. I just thought this would be a great time for us to talk about the people aspects of change, that part of change that's so often overlooked and under-resourced when organizations make big transformations. So we talk about, at Proteus a lot, attending to the human side of change. Can you share with us, based on your experience, why this is so important? I, I think this is such a timely question. Um, When we look out across our organization, the fact that there's a global pandemic afoot that has, um, in many cases, uh, really disrupted the workforce and the traditional way of doing work. So in essence, every industry, every organization, every geography is going through really significant, unplanned, unanticipated change. Mm -hmm. And as we navigate through this, understanding how do we figure out what back to work means, are we going to be remote forever? Will we be hybrid? Will we return um, to, to the way things were? The impact that has on the workforce, the people, um, becomes really important to, to pay attention to. That it's not just about an organization regaining footing or an organization being able to open its doors again or um, to gain back its market position or expand because many organizations have thrived during, during the pandemic as well to expand their market position. But it's not doing that in isolation, but at the same time, understanding the individuals, the workers, there are implications to them as well, whether it's childcare challenges, whether it's health concerns, whether it's, um, are we safe enough to return? Um, whether it's, I have immune compromised people in my home or folks who aren't eligible for the mm-hmm. vaccine in my home or wherever you stand on the vaccine debate. The point is those individuals are trying to make sense out of what works for them as well as organizations trying to make sense of what works for their entity. And so it's when we look at both sides together, I think we can win and get to the best solution. It's when we look at them exclusive of the other that we run into challenges and aren't able to realize the fullness of the transformation or change that we're after. That, that's such a marvelous example. I, every single client I've talked to is wrestling with what's the new, what's it going to look like? What does hybrid mean for us? And, 
And I've noticed that clients where the leaders are, to your point, looking at them exclusively are kind of over-focusing on this is what's best for the business, this is what we think is going to work, are they're losing people. They're losing great people. And the the uh, organizations that are doing exactly what you're saying, saying this is both a, a business change and a change that we need our people to come with us. We have to listen to them. We have to, you know, accommodate them to whatever extent is reasonable, that we have to look at the kind of nuts and bolts business side and the people side together, or we're going to be in big trouble. They're doing so much better and they're keeping good people. And those people are productive and committed and all those things that you want to have happen. That's just a, a great example. What have you seen? I mean, I told you some of the problems I see, but what problems do you see that arise in organizations around this change or around any change when people aren't helped to move through that change? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and, and I would say the two things I see are people either vote with their feet, they quit, they leave, or they vote with their hand. They stay, but they quit. And they don't engage. They're not as productive. They, they aren't really working towards the mission. And I've seen that response vary depending on the generation that we're talking to. And so uh, my generation X and boomers uh, when we are resistant to change or we don't feel supported in the change process or our, our personal needs are represented in the change, we tend to stay in quit. Whereas what I see with the millennials and Gen Z is less of a willingness to stay in quit, much yeah. more willingness to walk, to walk, to, to, to vote with their feet. And so I think it really requires organizations to step back and think about the war for talent. There are so many of us looking for some of the same skills and abilities in the workforce. We are competing for a lot of the same talent in, in many industries and marketplaces. And so it really becomes about how do we differentiate ourselves? And I think that differentiation is when we bring in that human factor. Yes, we need to differentiate ourselves in the marketplace. Yes, yeah. we need to have a wonderful customer experience to get that customer loyalty to provide value. But we also need to make sure we're generating and creating a wonderful employee or associate experience because yes. we want that associate who's doing the work to support the customer that yeah. is driving the market position. We want that whole process to work. Yeah. Um, and so I think it, it, it behooves organization and leaders to make sure we're balancing out the equation. We're looking at the market. We're looking at customers and we're also looking at our workforce. That's perfectly stated, I think. And, and, as I'm listening to you, one of the things that I've been reading about recently is that, you know, the boomers and the Xers, they, we can easily forget that the millennials are now the largest generation in the workforce. They're larger than any other generation, and they're increasingly moving up into senior management positions. They're the oldest. I, I met a woman yesterday, a client, who laughingly said she's the oldest living millennial. You know, she just turned 41. And, you know, so there are people in the height of their career. They're sort of 25 to 40. And they're the people you want. They're often wonderful, and they have the kind of new skills that us older people sometimes don't have, a lot of technological skills. And and, and you're right, they will vote with their feet, they have options. And so I think it's critical for leaders to recognize that. So talking about leaders as leaders are, I think a lot of our listeners are leaders and they're listening to us going, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do about this? <laughs> and, I, and I said this to you, I, I 
feel like it's like in the airplanes when they say put on your own mask before attempting to help others. You know, what, what we've seen is that leaders who themselves are more change capable and more comfortable with change and more fluent with change are better able to help their people through change, more likely to think about it and better able to do it. So what practical advice would you give to leaders to make themselves more change capable, more comfortable and fluent with change? I think that there are some critical steps leaders can take as well as teaching their associates and employees to do. One is being able to explore future trends that will impact their organization internally and externally. And when I think about those future trends, it makes me wonder as leaders, where are they getting their information from about what's changing in the workplace? Um, who's on their computer page or their mobile phone or their tablets or their apps? What are they consuming? Um, what news are they taking in and why? How does that connect to work-related ideas and information? What's happening from a regulatory standpoint within their industry? What's going on inside of their organization? So it's, it's just really being able to step back and look at global trends and realities. It's national policies and change. It's professional evolution and implication. So, so how are they taking in information? Because sometimes the resistance to change is I didn't see it coming. Yes. And, and often yes. I didn't see it coming because I wasn't looking. I yeah. didn't even have on my radar. I wasn't, my antenna wasn't up. I wasn't attuned to what was happening in my outside world as well as what's happening in my inside world. So I think that's step one for me. I, I want to respond to that. I, I love that advice and I wouldn't have thought of it. I mean, one of the things we know is that people will change when they see change as being norm, more normal. And, and that's what you're saying. If people put themselves in the flow of information about all the things that are changing, that change is pretty continuous in their industry, in the world, nationally, it doesn't, it's not going to seem so weird to them. It's going to be like, oh, yes, things are changing. I need to change. That's great advice. Yeah, thanks. What else? Absolutely. The, the second thing I would say is um, it, it, it piggybacks on what you've just talked about. It's then being able to think about what's the likely impact, understanding that change on their lives, their careers, their yes. choices. And, yeah. and sometimes that allows people to even get in front of change. Um, it allows people to begin making different choices at home or different choices around reskilling and upskilling or different choices in which department in the organization you might pursue your next opportunity because you're aware of those trends, those cultural trends, those social trends, those global trends, et cetera. So it's really understanding the impact of the change, um, what's, what's on the horizon. Yes. Um, and then the, the third piece of this is, is building the capability. Um, you just referenced it earlier where you said, you know, sometimes that younger generation, the, the Gen Z and the millennium have technical skills that Gen X and the boomers don't have. And so right there alone, what are the new capabilities? How do you stay fresh? How do you stay competitive? And one of those capabilities is how do you be change ready, right? So how do you build your change readiness skills and abilities? Because what is guaranteed? is there will be more change. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <And> so what, <laughs> what are we doing to keep that fresh? And, and then the last thing I would say is 
um, to extend their network. How do you extend your network to support you? Um, we're, we're not intended to do these things by ourselves. Yes. There, are, there, are, there are abilities and traits and interests that others have that I will never have, but I can glean and I can learn from them um, just as hopefully they can glean and they can learn from me. And so how do you expand your network um, to help you fill in these gaps? And maybe it's, it's through your network that you stay connected to the trends. Maybe it's through your network that you understand what new skills are on the horizon, how to have a conversation with your employees, how to help your employees do yes. the same thing. So it's not always something we have to solve from inside of ourselves, but sometimes it's solved through the partnerships, the networks, the communities that we're connected to in order to bring solutions to the needs of the situation. Oh, oh I love that. And, and as, I, as you're talking, I'm thinking those connections with people, not only who have new skills that will be necessary in new contexts like uh, uh, technological skills or process skills, but also to your point, actual change skills that we probably all have friends who are better than we are at helping other people through change and helping them make the mindset shifts and helping them understand the impacts. That's great. I th- yes, it does take a village. <laughs> so I love that. <laughs> Just one more point. You mentioned earlier about the the journey, I know you cover this in your book, about how to normalize change. How do we take the um, what makes it uncomfortable and weird uh, that drives that resistance to change? I think one of the things, even as leaders, we can benefit from is just having safe community where we can talk about how it feels to go through the change. Uh, Because sometimes we can you know, we can become isolated and think, well, I'm the only one feeling this. This is happening to me and me alone. When in fact, it's not, right? Uh, and, and But I don't know that until I start talking to other people. I don't know that until I either make myself vulnerable or I build that, you know, that social capital with others that we can begin to unpack the morning of the loss. I mean, I know as a Gen X, you know, for me personally, thinking about how important technical skills are becoming in the workplace, that's not my strong suit. And so uh, it's, you know, just stepping back to say, oh, suddenly I'm, I'm more likely to be passed over for opportunities because of what, you know, what's needed. And I don't bring the same skill and capabilities. I don't compete in the same way. I was watching um, a documentary about a football um, player and he said, you know, at 39, he's like, the clock is always ticking, right? And, and, you know, we know it's a lot much much younger in that space, but, but his point resonated with me is he's going, I'm aware at some point I'm going to become obsolete. At some point I won't be as relevant. Um, But he had a community of people that he engaged with and was already planning for what's next. So that's also sometimes part of it. It's, it's yes. How do we stay connected to build, to go on to the next thing, to innovate and create, but sometimes it's also how do we stay connected to just mourn our losses, to acknowledge the shift and the changes um, that we may be going through in order to get to the new normal, if that makes sense. Oh, I love that. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. It's, you know, you know, I talk about this in the book, we're wired for thousands of years to see change as a threat and a danger. And so it's an, it's a, it's a legitimate common response. And just to have people to talk to about that, to help you through that is I totally agree. Oh, wow. Thank you so much, Tessa. This is, we can clearly talk for a couple of hours about this, but we always promise our listeners, this will be short and sweet. So, um, 
thank you so much. And listeners, is if you'd like to find out more about how Proteus supports clients through change, you could just go to proteusleader.com and choose the change from the inside out topic. And look for my latest book, Change from the Inside Out on Amazon and at booksellers everywhere. So thanks again, Tessa. Thank you for listening. And until next time, here's to creating the life you truly want. We hope you're feeling better equipped to create the career, the business, and the life you want. For more insights and tools for leadership and management, join us at ProteusLeader.com. Have an excellent day. And thanks for listening.